Good morning. I think I turned, yes, there we go. Okay, I got it. Good morning. As you are continuing to make your way into the sanctuary this morning, you will notice that we have a lot of people gone this week. We have uh, three couples that are at minister, or not not minister and mace retreat, that's, that's for pastors, but lay retreat. Uh, we have several couples that are at lay retreat. We have several families that are out of town um, just on last summer vacations this week, and um, others who are just you know, not able to be here with us. But I am so glad that you are here and and we are excited to worship the Lord together this morning in song and in word. And so I just want to invite you to prepare your hearts for worship this morning as we read from Psalm 118 verses 28 and 29. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. I just want to say that again. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. We are going to praise him for his goodness this morning, and I just want to invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are here to worship you. Lord, would you speak to us in a new and fresh way, and would you move among us in a new and fresh way this morning. God, we love you, and we are here to lift your name high. Meet us here this morning, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You may be seated this morning. As we continue in this attitude of worship and as we go to prayer, I just want to remind you, as I think I shared last time we sang that song, that you're, you have one job this morning. Are you listening? You have one job this morning, and that one job is to just sit and be loved, to just receive. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give God anything. You can, but you don't have to before you simply sit and receive the love that he is ready to give you. So I want you to think about that as we continue in prayer this morning. Just receive. Receive God's love and receive what he wants to give you this morning. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father... Lord, we just take a moment to sit and respond to the love that you are so ready to give to us. And Lord, I will be the first to confess that it's so easy to think of all the reasons why I don't deserve your love, your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your redemption, Because God, when I look at you and when I look at myself, I confess that there is a big difference. But God, I also acknowledge what you want to do in me. And God, I acknowledge the love that you want to, to give freely to me and to all of us this morning. And so no matter how we are feeling about ourselves, no matter how we've come into this place today, regardless of of what's happened this week or, or in our past, Lord, may we just be able to sit and receive the love and mercy and grace that you want to pour out over us this morning. May we receive that gift freely this morning. And God, may we recognize you as a good, good father who loves his children and wants good things for his children. Lord, may we pause and see the good things that you are doing in us and around us. Lord, would you just remind us how you are at work in our lives? Would you just bring to mind the ways in which you are at work and the ways in which you love us? May each person in this room know how loved they are by you. And because you love us, you want good things for us. Lord, I pray that we would be in the place where we would be able to receive and see those good things. That we would be able to live 
in this fullness of life that you are offering us. May we see, God, that there is so much more to this life. There is so much that you want to do in and around us. May we open up our eyes to that and receive that once again today. Lord, we just pause for this moment and we pray for those who aren't able to be here with us this morning. We think of those who are at lay retreat this morning and we just pray, God, that you would pour out pour out your love in an amazing way among those people this morning. I pray, Lord, that they would be renewed and refreshed if, as they gather together. Lord, I pray for those who are traveling this morning. We, we pray that they would receive rest. And Lord, we pray for those who are not able to be here today because of sickness because of other circumstances. Lord, there may be many that just weren't able to get out of bed this morning. Maybe they're struggling and having a hard time today. Lord, would you meet them there? Would you be just as present there as you are here with us? May all those who are not with us this morning in this moment recognize your love and your grace and your mercy that you are offering to them. Lord, as we continue on in this service this morning, would you just continue to speak to us? Open up our hearts to hear from you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come, dwell among us. Do a new thing within us this morning, we pray. And we ask this boldly and confidently, In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Step into the unknown I know you're frightened And you feel alone But there's something that you should understand You are my child You're in my head
very much. It's pretty amazing how that song selection goes so well with our sermon today, so thank you for sharing that beautiful song with us this morning. Well, at this time, I am going to invite my good friends Gabe and Nicole to join me up here on the platform. And this morning, we are very excited to receive this um, sweet and amazing couple into membership here at BFCN. Absolutely. So I just want to share a few words with you guys and with you all as a congregation this morning. That the privileges and blessings that we have in community together in the Church of Jesus Christ, they're sacred and they are precious. Within this community, we have a special kind of fellowship and care and counsel that cannot otherwise be known apart from this family of God. Within this community, within the church, there is what we hope, godly care of pastors with the teaching of the word and the inspiration of corporate worship. And there is a cooperation and service accomplishing together what cannot otherwise be done alone. And standing here with me today is Gabe and, and Nikki Whitney. And if you haven't had a chance to meet them yet or, or talk with them yet, I encourage you to do so because they are a joy, a true and genuine joy to be around. And if you haven't invited them to your table yet, I encourage you to do so because you will be so blessed and glad that you did because this is an anointed, amazing couple. God is, is at work in their lives, and they are faithful, uh, humble servants of God, and it's truly a privilege to know them and to pastor them. 
And so they attended the Connect 101 class that we had back in the spring, and they have acknowledged today that they would like to join the membership of BFCN. So today we affirm again the statement of belief for the Church of the Nazarene. Gabe and Nicole, you've acknowledged that there is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the Old and New Testament scriptures given by plenary inspiration contain all truth necessary to faith and Christian living that human beings are born with a fallen nature and are therefore inclined to evil and that that continually, that the finally unrepentant are hopelessly and eternally lost, that the atonement through Jesus Christ is for the whole human race, and that whoever repents and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ is justified and regenerated and saved from the dominion of sin, that believers are to be sanctified wholly through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit bears witness to the new birth and also to the entire sanctification of believers, and that our Lord will return, the dead will be raised, and the final judgment will take place. Do you wholeheartedly believe these truths? If so, answer, I do. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and do you believe that he saves you now? If so, respond with, I do by faith. And desiring to unite with the Church of the Nazarene, do you commit to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, as expressed by the covenant of Christian character and conduct? Do you commit to the mission of God as expressed in the doctrine, fellowship, and work of the Church of the Nazarene? Will you support the teachings of the Church of the Nazarene and strive with God's help to grow in your understanding and practice in the same way that enhances the witness of the Church? Will you endeavor in every way to glorify God by a humble walk? godly conversation, and holy service, by devotedly giving of your resources, and by faithfully participating in the means of grace. Will you follow Jesus Christ all the days of your life, abstain from evil, and seek earnestly to perfect holiness of heart and life in the fear of the Lord? If so, respond with, I will. So Gabe and Nikki, I welcome you into the Church of the Nazarene and the fellowship of BFCN with all its benefits and responsibilities. May Jesus, the head of this church, bless and keep you and enable you to be faithful in all good works, that your life and witness may be effective in the care for the poor and oppressed and leading others in Christ. And I just want to say it's a joy to have you here. We are truly blessed. Will you welcome them one final time this morning? We are truly blessed and grateful um, for those that are here, and it's just a privilege to, to pastor this church and to get to know the people that make up this church. Well, this morning, um, we are beginning a new sermon series today, and uh, for the next several weeks, we're going to be going through the book of James. Um, we're going to do a little bit of an in-depth study in the book of James, and I've titled this whole series, Faith in Action. 
And I want to share with you just a few quick facts about the book of James. So I sent out a newsletter this week, and I send out a weekly newsletter. If you are interested in receiving that, if you don't already, let us know so we can make sure you get those. But I shared kind of some quick facts uh, in this newsletter about the book of James as you just prepare to, uh, to participate in this sermon series. But I'll share a few more this morning. I won't go over all of those, but I'll share just a few quick things that can give us some context so we know... Uh, what we're getting into as we open up the book of James. So the book of James, as you know, is written by Jesus' half-brother James, or at least we, there's, we strongly believe that it is. It, it seems like it would be from Jesus' half-brother James, uh, who is also known in Hebrew as Jacob. That's an interesting fact that you might not have known. And James uh, was not at first a believer in his brother Jesus, which is hard for us to wrap our minds around, but also just reminds us of the humanity of even Jesus' brother brother, right? And Jesus, uh, James, once he became a believer after the resurrection, he rose up as a leader within the mother church in Jerusalem, leading the first, very first Christian community. Can you imagine how difficult that would be to lead the first ever group of Christians? I mean, it's hard enough as it is now, 2,000 years later, but how hard would it be to lead that first group and, and what it looks like to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus? I like how N.T. Wright describes the book of James. He says, The letter of James is demonstrably Christian, serving as a moral map to sketch out the way of wisdom for the church. And there's so much that we can gain from this book of James, from this this letter from James, as long as we open ourselves up to it. And and I want you to just be prepared to to wrestle with things that are challenging, because James is full of those like one-liners or those one-verses that are just a little bit challenging. They step on your toes just a little bit. They may confront some things in your life just a little bit, depending on where you are. But I pray that we would open ourselves up to to the wisdom and the godly character that James describes in his book. And perhaps my favorite thing about the book of James is that everywhere you read in this short book, everything James says almost points back directly to Jesus' teaching. Everything, almost everything I read that James says, I remember or recall Jesus teaching in some way during his time. And so what I'm going to aim to do is each week as we talk about these different things in the book of James, I want to point back to what we believe that may have been inspired by in terms of what Jesus said. And so we, we want to connect the two each week. Um, and I think that'll be really interesting for us. So this morning, we're going to dive right in. In chapter 1, I invite you to stand as we read God's word, if you are able. And we're going to start with chapter 1, reading verses 2 through 8, and then we're actually going to include today verses 12 through 18. This is what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts 
is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is the good word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Okay, as I said... Some of it's hard, and it steps on your toes. And I think right off the bat, right out of the gate, chapter 1, verse 2, bam, right then and there, I am confronted with what at first sounds a little bit offensive to me, that I would consider trials and difficult moments to be joyful, that I would see joy or consider it a joy or a gift to go through difficult moments and trials in life. What in the world, James? What does this actually even mean? And who can actually even accomplish this? Right off the bat, right out of the gate, this is one of those verses that, that is well known. And people love to quote this verse. And I'm sure I've quoted it many times. But it's one that at certain times in life, you don't just really love to hear. Or you don't really just love to read it. Because at first, it might not sit well with you. Because you're wondering, what does this mean? But before we kind of get to that, I just want to state or restate the obvious that James is is talking about something that we all know to be true. And he's stating something that we know all too well. He he may not state it blatantly, but, but we know what he's saying. And that is this, that life is hard, right? Life is difficult at times. Life can be challenging, and we go through incredibly difficult moments in life. In fact, this is so true, and we know this so well that some of you right this very moment are recalling the truth of that reality just from this very week. Just this very week, you may have experienced something incredibly challenging and difficult that you feel is just too much and too big. Just this very week, many of you know people or have learned of people who are sick and who are not getting better. Many of you might be dealing with deep relational issues, painful relational issues within your life, with your, whether it's your spouse or your kids or your family or friends or coworkers. You're dealing with an intense, deep issue that, that is troubling you. Many of you or some of you might be experiencing financial stress because adulting is hard and expensive and it's stressful, right? You might be experiencing financial stress that at this point you just don't see a way out of. You don't know how this is going to end. 
For some of you, maybe you're dealing with yourself, a mental infirmity or a physical infirmity that is just keeping you down and feeling defeated and frustrated, and you don't really know what to do with that. You don't need me to tell you, and you also don't need James to tell you that life is hard. Life is full of difficult moments, and we know this to be true. And the reason I think that's important is because James' wording is not if you go through trials and difficult moments, consider it joy. Or if you experience difficult moments in life, consider it joy. He's not saying if, he's saying when. When you, because you will, because life is hard and full of troubles, when you experience challenges and trials and difficult moments in life, consider it a joy. It reminds me of Jesus' words when he says, and I appreciate it so much, I appreciate the honesty of Jesus, when he says in the Gospels, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus doesn't paint this beautiful, misleading picture for us, right? We can appreciate the honesty. He doesn't say, if you have trouble in this world, or, or maybe possibly you might have trouble in this world, but he says, in this world, you will, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's what this reminds me of. James is saying, when you face hardships, when you face trials and difficult moments, you essentially have two choices. You can consider it joy, or you can question, doubt, and waver. Those are essentially our two choices, because we know we're going to face difficult moments, but what do we do when we face difficult moments? And so we have a choice, and and I'll just be the first one to admit that the choice that most of us either do choose or are strongly tempted to choose when faced with a difficult or troubling moment, we don't often choose joy or consider it joy. I don't know about you, but I'm not naturally inclined to choose or consider joy when I'm dealing with a, a big trouble in my life, when I'm faced with grief when I'm dealing with a, a, a big financial situation that I can't see my way out of, when I'm feeling troubled with a relationship in my life, I don't naturally consider that a joy, and I don't naturally think things like, oh, this is so great, I can't wait to see the good that's going to come from this. I am tempted, and I often think about how difficult it is, and if you're like me at times in life, you've, you've been tempted to ask questions like, why me, God? Why do bad things always happen to me, God? Why do you allow things like this to happen to me, God? What are you doing to me, God? God, where are you in this? Why have you abandoned me? Why are you doing this to me, God? God, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do you allow that? Why is this happening to me? What are you doing, God? And hear me clearly this morning. I'm not saying that there's even necessarily anything wrong with asking those questions. I think we're fooling ourselves and kidding ourselves if we say that we never think or consider these questions, right? Sometimes these are just the feelings that we have that, we were, were, that are just within us. We're not talking about feeling mad or frustrated or sad when going through a difficult time because these are emotions that we no doubt experience. 
And these are our responses to difficult times. And so we're not saying that there's anything wrong with thinking these things at times. And I'm also not even talking about those of you who this morning may not be there in your relationship with Jesus just yet. Maybe there's still things that you're wrestling with and you're not in a full-blown committed relationship with Jesus just yet. And I have to acknowledge that because at one point James was in that same position, right? James was, was doubting and questioning and he was not a committed believer in who Jesus was and what he came to do. And so we acknowledge that there may be some that are not there yet. And so naturally, those questions and doubts are going to be things that you deal with at a certain point in your life and in your walk. But what we're talking about is in your relationship, your committed relationship with Jesus, are these the things that you choose to believe about God and who he is? When, when bad things happen or when you're faced with a trial or a difficult moment, are you questioning everything about God and who he is and his love for you and the goodness that he is? See, James refers to in this text, he talks about a person being one who doubts and who is tossed back and forth like the waves of a sea. And then he talks about that person referring to them as a double-minded person. And I think what James is saying is, is describing a person who when things are good, then God is good. Things are going great in my life, so God, you must be good. But then when bad things happen, when we face trials and difficulties, oh God, oh God, you must not be as good as I thought you were. God, you, you must not be good because now you're allowing these bad things to happen to me. Oh, but things are better now. So, okay, God, okay, you are good. You really are good. But then when faced with the next difficult thing, it's, wow, maybe God, maybe you're not good and maybe you actually don't care about me. Maybe you don't actually see me. Maybe you're not actually with me and you question everything you believe about God based on your circumstances. I think this is what James is referring to when he talks about a double-minded person, one that's tossed to and fro by the waves. See, in the Greek, this, this text, double-minded person, reads more like a two-souled person. And this actually wasn't a new concept that James is talking about. This idea of a divided person, one that's not whole or complete, one that's kind of back and forth and all over the place, is, is a, a phrase or a concept that would have been familiar to the audience, to James' audience. People have, have read about this in Jewish literature, and it was actually a, a Platonic thought. That Plato had this concept called the twofold man. And so this was not anything new, but in James' wording, it implies this person that's going back and forth in their mind about who God is based on what's happening to them. And I just want to reiterate once more, just so you hear me clearly, that I'm not saying that you're a terrible person if you doubt or, or you have moments where doubt creeps in. I've doubted. I've dealt with doubt. And doubt has certainly creeped into my life in, in certain moments. But perhaps the issue arises when we are invited, as James says, to ask God for wisdom in the midst of trials and difficult moments, but we don't. Perhaps the issue arises when we are invited to ask God to help us grow and mature in the midst of difficult moments and trials, 
but we don't. Perhaps the problem arises when we are invited to ask God to make us whole and complete, that we would be able to persevere and endure these difficult moments, but we don't. Maybe the problem arises when we are invited to see what God is wanting to teach us in the midst of trials, but we don't. The issue arises when we begin to question the character of God because of what's going on around us as if God is the one doing things to us. See, I think James is reminding us that in the midst of trials and hardships, because there will be, we're not fooling ourselves, we're not kidding ourselves, we're going to face hard things in this life. But in the midst of those, we are invited to boldly and confidently ask God for wisdom and then believe that he's going to give it to us. We are invited to boldly and confidently ask God to give us what we need to get through this difficult moment, believing that if we ask him for this, he's going to give this to us. We are invited to boldly and confidently ask God to carry me through, bring me through, help this to make me a more complete version of Jesus, help this to grow me to look more like Jesus and believe that he will do that. Because friends, God is the giver of good things. God is the giver of good things and he gives good things to his children who ask him. And we are reminded of this, of Jesus' words in Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says this. Jesus himself says these words about God. He says, for everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give it a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will you give it a snake? If you then who are evil or fallen know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is basic this is a basic concept for parents. For for most parents, obviously there are some in the world that, that aren't seeking the good for their kids, but but for most parents, we understand this concept that I want to give good things to my children. I want to be there for my children when they're going through a difficult moment. I want to be able to provide good things for them and be as helpful as I can be to them. And if I, who am fallen and am broken and mess up frequently when it comes to giving good things to my children, how much more is God, who is perfect and whole and complete and holy, how much more is he going to be able to give good things to us, his children, when we ask him? James is pointing back, possibly pointing back to the teachings of Jesus, reminding us of what he says when he is speaking on behalf of God declaring that when we are seeking wisdom and guidance from God, when we are looking for growth and looking for help, God is faithful to give it to us. If it's God's will, and by the way, it is, if it's God's will that we be whole and complete, lacking nothing, that we would be holy as God is holy, then he is going to give us what we need to accomplish this in the midst of difficult moments and in regular everyday life celebrating moments. 
If we ask God for help with, this, with these things, he is faithful to do it because God is the giver of good things and he gives generously to his children. And this might be a daily prayer for us. And quite frankly, it probably should be. Meaning that, that one day I, I pray this and I ask this of God. God, just be with me and help me with this, whatever this situation is that I'm dealing with. I, I need you to show up in a new and powerful way to help me get through this difficult thing. And then tomorrow, I don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. But whenever I do face that, I'm going to ask God again. And it becomes this daily prayer where every day you are seeking, every day you are asking every day you are knocking on the door asking God to give you wisdom to give you endurance and to help you persevere in the midst of difficult moments in life and if we don't know how to do this if we don't know how to persevere in difficult moments if we don't know how to look for joy in difficult moments as James says if we don't know how to look for the goodness of God in the midst of difficult moments and in the midst of horrible things that happen in life, then James is saying something very simple. We should pray to him to help us, and he will. He will do it, and he's not going to find any fault because you didn't ask sooner. He's not going to find fault because you may have have doubted and you weren't exactly sure how he was going to accomplish that or when or, or what it was going to look like. But he'll meet you there without finding fault and give you what you need to endure. The problem is, the reason that this is so hard, in my opinion, the reason that this is so hard to, to choose joy and to choose to see the goodness of God in the midst of difficult times The reason that it's so much easier to choose anger and to choose doubt is because oftentimes we are holding God accountable in our minds for the bad things that are happening in life. I'm tempted to to blame God and go directly to him and to blame him when difficult things happen in my life. And I think that people are often tempted to do this. We walk around with this anemic faith that believes that God is tempting us and testing us and just waiting for us to mess up, just waiting to find failure within us rather than being interested in helping us and, and helping us to persevere despite difficult circumstances. But friends... This is a misguided idea of who God is. This is not who God is. Because James reminds us that it's the enemy and man's evil desires inspired by the enemy that brings about sin and chaos and destruction and evil. That's the work of the enemy. That is not the work of God It's the enemy, as Jesus reminds us, that wants to steal and to kill and destroy. But it's God who wants to give us abundant life because he loves us and he is for us. God is is not working to harm us or to trick us or to be against us. But instead, God is constantly working for us. God is not deceitful, God is not two-faced, God is not fickle, but he is trustworthy and faithful and good and wants good things for his children. And we need to be reminded that nothing evil comes from God, as James says in this passage that we read, but instead every good and perfect thing comes from God. So if it's not good, it's not of God. But God will take what the enemy meant for evil and he will turn it for good because God is for us and God wants good things for his children. 
You need to know that God is not working against you, that God is not just waiting for you to fall and mess up and trip up and blow it all together, but God is working for your wholeness. God is working for your completeness. God is working for your holiness and your persevering and your enduring. God is working all things for good for you who love him and are called according to his purposes, as Paul reminds us in Romans 8. And while the enemy wants our doubts and our fears and our desires to conceive and give birth to separation and sin, James says that God chose to give us new birth through or by the means of his word of truth, that we are loved and we are his highly cherished creation and that in all things God is for us. So when you're faced with your next trial or that next difficult moment, what will you choose? Will you choose to see God in the midst of it, asking him for wisdom and guidance, asking for his help that you might persevere and endure? Will you choose to see the love and joy of God and his goodness in the midst of it? Or will you be like a double-minded person who is constantly questioning God and putting him on trial in your own mind? Because, friends, God is dependable and he's good. But a double-minded person is always going to question whether or not this is true until those thoughts become your truth about God, even though that's not who he is. And as James puts it pretty bluntly, and I read from this scholar this week, the scholar says, those who prefer, in other words, you choose, those who prefer to stay on the fringes of faith and refuse to make a wholehearted decision to follow God in all things, you're not only likely going to miss the good things that he wants to do in your life despite trials and troubles, but also don't expect to receive from him what you're asking for because you're this fickle, double-minded person who holds God accountable for everything without believing that he's working for your good. We have to be very careful with that. So my final question for us this morning is, what does faith in action look like for the believer, for the Christian who is facing an incredibly difficult moment or a difficult time in life? What does faith in action look, for us, look like for us in those moments? I would suggest that faith in action looks like seeking God for wisdom and taking him at his word that he is good and wants good things for his children. I'm going to invite the praise team to, to come back up. And I was thinking about this this week in my own life. And I was just recalling those moments in life where I faced an incredibly difficult, painful moment in life and, and, and how that shaped what I believe about God. And as much as I like try not to go to this place because it's just difficult and it's kind of dark and it's hard for me, I just can't help but, but be reminded of kind of a pivotal moment in my walk where everything changed for me. And I've shared a little bit about this story with you before, but when I lost mine and Bo's first pregnancy, I was 16 weeks along when I found out about this loss. 
And the reason that I was so far along, the doctors told me that it was actually what they call a missed miscarriage. In other words, the baby had already lost life, but my body didn't respond accordingly in, in a ideal period of time. It took a little while for my body to figure out what was happening. And so I just went in for a routine 16-week appointment and then found out that in reality, that baby stopped growing and living at about 12 weeks. And the reason that's important, that's a lot of detail, but the reason that's important is because right before that 16-week appointment, Bo and I were on a trip with our teens. We were at a regional event at Southern Nazarene University, and we were, we were in, this, in this one of the evening worship services. And it was just what I call one of those mountaintop moments, right? When you're just like on this mountaintop and you are just praising God because he is so good and life is so good and everything in this moment is just perfect, right? And I was just thinking about this, how here I was living my dream, being, I was a youth pastor and I was in ministry and it was my dream. And then now I'm pregnant with my first baby and I've always wanted to be a mom. And this is, oh God, I have this amazing husband and I just have this amazing life and everything is good. So God, you are so good. Thank you, God, for your goodness. And all along, that baby had already lost its life. And when I thought about that a few days later, I had a choice to make. I had to choose, I had to decide, was God still good? In that moment, was God still good even though I was praising him for something that I actually didn't have? Was he still good? And it took me a while to decide whether or not he was still good, I'll admit. I had to really decide if I was going to be in this thing for, for good and, and for worse, and if I was going to truly trust that God was always good even when my circumstances weren't. And it was an ugly, messy place, me deciding that and kind of reconciling that. But I could never explain or describe the way that God showed up for me in those moments. And the way that God used the people around me to be Jesus in the flesh as I was going through the darkest moment of my life. And it was just simple reminders through others and through those dark nights of the soul kind of thing where I was reminded that God is still good. And so this song that we're going to sing this actually ended up being kind of a, a special song for me during this phase of life where, where I had to decide if I was going to follow Jesus. I had to decide if I was going to do that when things are good and when things are not good. When we decide to follow Jesus, we're reminded that we will still go through difficult times. But James says that what it looks like to follow Jesus is trusting that he is good and that he is working for your good despite your circumstances. And deciding to follow Jesus means believing what he says about God, that God is for us, that God loves us, and that God is always working for our good, that he is a good father who will never fail us. So I just invite you to think about these things as we sing this song and decide 
if God is still good even when circumstances are not. Amen. Please stand and sing this song with us. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. can't help but think about is is just the importance of community and how sometimes the thing that can make it or break it for us is the people that we have in our corner when we face difficult moments in life because it's oftentimes those people that are in your corner the people that are here for you your community your faith community it's oftentimes those people who are going to point you to Jesus to pick you up and hold you and point you to Jesus to remind you that he loves you, that he is for you, and that he is working for your good. So make sure that you have those people in your corner, and I am so thankful for this community and for having people that can point me to Jesus to remind me of God's goodness. Amen? Pray with me. Lord, as we think about the difficult moments that we face in life. And God, there are moments where we face things that are incredibly difficult and challenging, things that could change our lives forever. We deal with incredible grief and loss. We were reminded of some of the incredible grief that many have experienced over this past weekend. We were reminded we're reminded of the awful things that happen in this life. 
We are reminded of an adversary that is constantly working to tear us apart, to pull us from you, to cause chaos and destruction in our lives and around us. But we are reminded that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And we are reminded, God, that you are faithful and you take what the enemy meant for evil and you, you turn it for our good. God, may, may we rem- remember, even in difficult moments, that you are with us and that you are for us and that you are always working for our good and that every good thing we have in this life comes from you. May we remember that and may, may we be able to point others to that truth and remind them of that truth today. God, we love you, and we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness in our lives. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I encourage you this week, find somebody that you can, can remind them of the goodness of God. And if you need to be reminded of that this week, reach out, and someone will remind you of that. Amen. Well, just a few quick announcements before we dismiss this morning. Uh, We still have some time during the month of September for the Restore Network uh, diaper pull-ups and wipes drive. We have that big container out in the foyer. Uh, And don't worry, if that gets full over the next few weeks, we'll empty that out. We'll put that downstairs and bring the empty tub back. So just continue to show up with those pull-ups and wipes and diapers so that we can support Restore Network in in giving them those things uh, so that they can bless families with those items who are caring for those sweet babies and toddlers. I also want to remind you that um, we have a big alabaster box in the foyer uh, during the month of September. We'll be collecting that offering as well uh, for the work of the Church of the Nazarene all around the world. That money goes directly to projects all over the world for things like church buildings and parsonages and district offices, and and that's going directly to those building projects uh, so that the ministry of the Church of the Nazarene can be continued all over the world. I want to remind you of an all-church fellowship on Saturday, September 25th um, at 11 a.m. at Schranz Memorial Park in Swansea. Uh, That's going to be for the whole church. The whole church is invited to this. You can invite your friends and neighbors to this. Um, We're just going to have a time of of fellowship and food because there has to be food. If we're having fellowship, we got to have the two Fs, the food and the fellowship. And so uh, we want to let you know that the church is going to be providing the chicken for this event, um, but we... We are going to invite you to sign up to bring things like sides and drinks and desserts. And that sign-up sheet is in the foyer. So just let us know what you'll be bringing. Keep it simple. Don't do anything complicated. We want this to be a stress-free, just show up and, and fellowship. So don't do anything super stressful. Just pick up potato salad or something like that, something that's easy. Uh, And finally, we'll be offering another Connect 101 class starting September 26th. Uh, If you're interested in learning more about our local congregation or the work of of the Church of the Nazarene, um, we'll explore some of that, answer any questions you may have, and just talk about uh, what that looks like to to become a member of this church, of this fellowship. And so uh, that class will begin September 26th at 9.30 a.m., and that'll be in one of these classrooms up here. Uh, We'll let you know about that. Or or no, that's going to be downstairs, sorry. But we'll let you know about that, where that is. So let me know if you're interested in that. And uh, I'll invite you to stand this morning for this benediction.
Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and know that God is good and that he is for you and that he loves you. Go in his peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day.